the pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. J.K.L. Engineering, folks, whether it's wintertime, spring, or summer, they'll keep you nice and comfortable in your home. Why not let J.K.L. Engineering let them design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system? Energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. No gas, no problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill as by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. Now, J.K.L., is a carrier factory authorized dealer. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Folks, let's face it. Being inside, being comfortable in your home, is there anything more important right now with what we're going through? Call J.K.L. Engineering. Central Air is a game changer for your life. Talk about improving quality of life. Here's what I'm saying. J.K.L., they'll keep you warm in the wintertime and cool in the summertime. 53 years of experience, their reputation second to none whether you're in rhode island or massachusetts call jkl engineering today estimates are free financing is available for both residential and commercial call my friends at jkl 401-351-7600 remember estimates are free financing is available let's be nice and comfortable in your home jkl 401-351-7600 you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Folks, it's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Join me. He's the managing editor, OceanStateCard.com. Justin Katz. Justin, uh, the state, we have moved into phase three. It is a little bit lower, uh, but some of the numbers than the, the governor thought. But uh, let's start off with just how do you think the state is managing in this uh, so-called phase three? Well, I so far, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of difference. I mean, as you say, the governor did reduce the number uh, for crowds inside and outside by quite a lot. I mean, we were talking we were talking hundreds at one point for phase three in outdoor settings, and now it's less than 100, no matter where you are in most circumstances. Uh, that was kind of concerning to me because one of the one of the things I thought the governor did pretty well, especially compared with other places, is that she had laid out, here are the, the numbers we're going to be looking at in order to make our decisions. And based on those numbers, she had laid out, here's what we're going to do in phase three. Phase three was on a, about to arrive and the numbers were better than they had to be. And yet she scaled back and it Basically, it showed to me we're we're really operating on the governor's gut instincts, and she's using facts and numbers kind of to back it up when she can. But otherwise, she's just going to uh, adjust as as she sees fit. And I think that goes goes a quite a quite 
closely with her her kind of continuing attitude of you know young people are getting the uh, getting the virus more and so you know I I need you to do better she says and she also said that um, if if we don't continue to follow the rules she's going to have to shut down the economy again and that I mean put aside even the hypocrisy that she went out into a rally and displayed her herself her chief of staff David Ortiz her husband everybody around her was without masks and not social distancing and holding hands um, for her to come out and be saying that kind of thing is, is kind of a, a kick in the teeth but beyond that just the this whole attitude of you know I'm going to I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to change everything. I, I think that's really not where we, we need to be. And it's certainly not in line with the claim that we're basing everything on science and, and facts. Do you think that her um, doing that that time at the rally, that that still has come back? Uh, Justin, it is interesting. You still, all these months, well, it's a month later, you do hear people that uh, continue to mention that. You wonder if that was a, a pivotal time for a lot of people that just felt that after that, like, well, forget it. If she's if she's going to go to that protest and not wear the mask, then I'm not going to wear a mask. I think so. And I think people are looking at um, surges in some place nationally. And, you know, there, you, you, you really can't get a definitive answer of this caused this. But people, I think you do see nationally and at the state level, people do feel like, well, you know, we shut down for months. Uh, people didn't get to see be with their loved ones when they were dying. And here we are, a protest is okay. The governor's going out there uh, to, to give a speech and pray during a, a protest. Uh, I, think it, I think it does continue to have an effect. And I think, I mean, Rhode Islanders seem to be unusually compliant, uh, but the, uh, I, I think a lot for a lot of people, just that was kind of the uh, watershed moment when they saw, you know, this is, there's something not right here. And I, I think that's one, if we were to get a surge, I, th I think you'd start to see more. It'd be, it'd be a little harder than it was the first time to shut down because there's at least some significant portion of the population just is not, is not buying it anymore. You know what I find also, um, and folks, again, our segment is politics this week with me. It's Justin Katz, managing editor, oceanstatecart.com. Justin, I also find that a lot of people can't, follow there there has been a lot of information it has been changing there's not one source you can go for things so for instance someone even asked me i have different people that i talk to out of state and they say now where gyms gyms open in rhode island and i i don't remember if gyms are allowed open in rhode island but i also when i'll do a facebook live i'll see someone they'll put a comment and they'll say directly to me you're not wearing your mask in and I'm there alone. I'm outside. But and I don't think they're being like a wise guy. I, I just don't think people can can grasp all the different changes of when you're supposed to, when you're not supposed to. I mean, to me, that seems, you know, well, of course I'm not. I'm alone and I'm outside. Why would I be wearing a mask? But I, I don't think people have been able to stay up with how all of this is supposed to work. I think they, they almost give the general public like a little, almost, I think a little bit too much credit. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's hard to, to keep track. And when, when you're talking about um, slight adjustments, it's an interesting point. I think it, it does suggest that people are doing what they think is reasonable. And if that happens to coincide with the governor's orders, right. um, then that's fine. It reminds me, my uncle once told me a joke about a, a dog, his dog was, would not listen to him, but, 
every now and then he would wait till it looked like the dog was going to sit and he would say sit and you say see he's following instructions um that's that's kind of what we I, we could be seeing to some extent i know during during the holiday weekend uh times going to the beach or or cookouts i didn't see very many people wearing masks i don't think i saw any i mean granted people were there with their families but it's they're out in social settings some of them looked like they were extended families um i i people more and more people are going to do i think what what's reasonable to them uh especially in, in during summer that's possible once we start getting back into uh where the governor's got a stronger fist to hold everything with education and that sort of thing uh so it'd be interesting if she did try to shut down the economy to see whether people would actually listen to her you do see some states specifically california is the biggest example they we're going forward, then they've gone back and they re-shut it down. From what I understand and talking to different people out there, it's very, very frustrating. People then can't believe it. And then uh, you had a situation in New Jersey where initially the governor said he was going to allow inside dining. And then all of a sudden, at the last minute, he would not allow inside dining. And the restaurants went ballistic simply because they had bought, you know, extra supplies and food and things like that. And then it's you just uh, you have to throw it out. So. Um, a lot of the uh, the governors that have been, especially like Governor Newsom at one point, he had a 85% approval rating. Uh, they've seen them come down much more to earth since this thing has had its like uh, stop and starts. So, but Justin, what does it say to you also that there is still no, there's no budget? I mean, they're talking about a budget, but this um, this is a different time where they're basically gambling that there will be a second stimulus. Other than that, the governor does say that there'll be the only options will be bad options. But right now the state really has no plan for the new fiscal year that we're in. It does make Rhode Island seem less like an independent state and more like something of a, a feudal vassal state where we really, we can't operate without the federal government coming in and saving us. And that ought, that ought to say something. And I think uh, there ought to be more, more demands for our elected officials to figure out how to, chart these waters that's kind of the dropping the ball and we don't have very high expectations of, of our government and how how well they'll be able to run things which is kind of weird given that we're we're allowing them to tell us what to do to such a great extent what did your um, what was your impression that kathy gregg of the journal found out when asked about it at the press briefing the governor said nope we were transparent it's right there online that's how you can see it but Kathy Gregg stumbled into that through all of this, a company started to do work for free, and then they become the consultant of here's how you handle the amount of uh, money that they received. So no, granted, it was a large sum of money, but there was a company that did receive um, uh, two, I think close to $2 million. So um, was that money well spent, or do you feel somehow still the Raimondo people were not that transparent? Well, I I don't think we can know whether how well it was spent because we don't know what this company specifically has added to the, the many, many employees the governor already has. I mean, the number that jumped out at me of that $2 million was it comes down to $25,000 per person embedded in our state's government per week. And that's a lot of money. Um, but what really strikes me is that you know, transparency, fine, you know, you can go online and see this, it's all transparent. But if this were so needed, if this were a helpful thing, and it might be, maybe these are people who've, who've spent the past 20 years locked in their bedrooms researching how to deal with the pandemic and they're worth hiring at that price. But if that were the case, why wasn't the governor 
promoting that. I mean, we have daily for a long time. We had daily press briefings that would go yes. on and on and on. If this was such a great idea, why was the governor not out there saying, and here's another wonderful thing I've done. I've brought in these consultants and maybe she wouldn't even tell you the price and you had to go online and get the, the price from online. That's, that would be reasonable transparency, but they're just kind of, you know, somebody has to stumble upon this fact. If it were worth doing, it would have been promoted because it would have been, you know, this this group is really going to help. And that, that's kind of that's kind of where I where I think that people need to look at this. It's, it wasn't promoted. It starts to feel like it was slipped in there for some reason. Folks, coming up, we are going to um, touch on the somewhat of the Bristol Fourth of July parade. Also. Um, a lot more as the nursing homes continue to dominate that and the situation with the schools. It's all ahead with Justin Katz, managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by MEGA, MEGA Professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. 508-336-7801. Now, what exactly do they do, MEGA Professionals? They're here to help you run your business by finding you workers. And maybe you need workers. Maybe you need drivers, workers, certified help, part-time, full-time, weekend work, uh, local AKA sleep at home drivers, class AB, non-CDL, warehouse workers, mechanics, skilled workers, labor, healthcare professionals, office professionals. You need workers. You need MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals. You're trying to run your business. Listen, it's a hassle trying to hire people, go through all the resumes, set up the interviews. Instead, it's one phone call to help you with your company. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801, 508-336-7801 for MEGA professionals. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www. This portion of the program brought to you by Bethel Certified Softwash. Let's make sure your house and property looks the best it can look. Right now, spring is the time. You can text Jared, free same-day text estimate, 401-617-2585. They have a great Facebook page, Bethel Certified Softwash. Let's get rid of that algae mildew that's outside in your home the side of your home on your pavement on your patio maybe it's on the basketball court bethel certified softwash they have a great facebook page jared the before and after pictures are just incredible what your home could look like or your garage your property with bethel certified softwash power wash now jared he came to our house folks it looks brand new get rid of you know it just happens you build up some of that algae and mildew and maybe sometimes you just have some dirt and grime bethel certified soft wash power wash especially now we're spending more time outside you want your house and property to look the best it can 
Jared did a fantastic job. My neighbors are saying, my goodness, Juan, look how beautiful your house looks. It looks so clean. My kid said, Daddy, it's like the house got a bath. I said, it did get a bath from Bethel Certified Soft Wash. Text Jared, free same-day text estimate, 401 617 2585 find them on facebook it's bethel certified soft wash it's going to make your property your home your deck your walkway any outdoor surface he can get rid of it as far as the algae mildew gets rid of it with a very safe solution it's bethel certified soft wash you're listening to the john DePetro show our segment is politics this week with me is the managing editor OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, um, not a day goes by that I don't get uh, some kind of either a Facebook message or an email or some kind of a message uh, asking me to please ask the governor about the nursing home. I try to explain that a lot of times their questions have already been answered, but they the, the problem is the people they just don't they don't like the answer. <laughs> but if there's one thing that has really stood out in this whole thing, it has been. Um, the severity of the situation with the nursing homes. And even now that we're quote in phase three, uh, we're in a different situation than Connecticut and Massachusetts. Yeah. The, well, the state is um, the, the controversy here is the state's decision to, to lock everything down. And that's where we've kind of put our resources. And even early on, it should have been clear, you know, that this was a, going to affect vulnerable populations, especially the elderly, uh, more than, than the general population. And so some of the things they're now doing, you know, testing uh, additional money for staffing, they could have done early on and they should have done early on. Uh, that's, that's going to be when we, when we revisit this to, to assess how well we, we did or how well our government did, that's going to be one of the major question marks. Why did you shut down the economy and just instead of just uh, going after the problem itself and now you hear the governor talking about how um, we need to go more toward senior care at home which is fine and in most cases for most reasons I agree with that but it does start to make you feel like well that's going to create a whole new level of labor union jobs and you see the labor unions out in the press with their quotes about why we need this Uh, so I think it was just an initially a bad decision to, to not take care of this population. And now we're just kind of, you know, ambling along and, and it feels like politics as usual with the labor unions is just working its way back into it. The um, situation with the nursing homes, Justin, I mean, that, I think it also, I know that uh, this week they're going to start to allow more of the visitations, but I think it, I don't think enough has been paid attention. You know, the media has had such um I think some liberal, some media bias has come out of this because there's such a focus on the protest and how unfair and racism exists. But I think there's a real story there that still has not come out of the pain and suffering of family members that couldn't see people, couldn't go and hug them, uh, comfort them right before they were dying. I think to some of the younger members of the liberal media, that's just not a sexy enough story for them. They'd much rather carry, you know, the 20 teenagers that are marching around with a sign that says, I can't breathe. There were many people that can't breathe and they were all dying in the nursing homes. Yeah. There, there was, there was, uh, 
you do see some some pictures online from families or this is my or even in the news media a little bit you know this this is the state of my my father he fell down multiple times he's got bruises yes. all over him when you've got something like that it does become uh, a, a more saleable story but yeah i think a lot of the i mean we, we talked about during the protests uh, the younger reporters who were tweeting things like you know i'm so proud to have been a part of reporting this event um you don't see that kind of enthusiasm for a store a story like uh you know not people not being able to see their their relatives in the the nursing homes it's just that's more of a grind story where they have to go and they dig it up and they they build the story and they put it out but it is it, it is a major concern and i think part of the problem too uh speaking of you know to the point of media bias is a lot of the, the the news media locally in the state were on the governor's side and and to some extent towing the line yeah I, I think they felt some obligation to do that even beyond supporting the governor independently of of that and so this was a this was a weak spot for her and for the government's response and so to dig into that and make it a story would have seemed like challenging her her decision making which it should have been uh, and i think that that played a role too, or at least it certainly feels like it did. Well, and if we want to talk about the media role in certain areas, the, the night of the protest when that Providence firefighter got up, basically, I mean, his story did not match up with the reality was uh, reading off his phone. The reporter from Channel 12 was patting him on the shoulder and comforting him and telling him he was so brave for doing this instead of asking real questions like, who wrote that? Do you own a firearm? Uh, you know, I mean, it, the, the role of, of being the reporter became the comforter more than the reporter. And then I found it amusing that last week that um, and again, the story, when you hear it, it sounds um, very serious. But a woman reported that she came home from work and found a noose in her garage in Pawtucket. And then when you you read the comments online, I think the only two people that actually believed the story were the reporter from Channel 10 and the reporter from Channel 12 that reported the story. Everyone else, it just seemed implausible that someone on a dead-end street would break into a garage, no sign of a break-in, climb up on a beam and hang this noose. Even the Pawtucket police didn't want to go on camera because they were suspect of the story. Then you have the person that contacts the media to let them know that this happened. Um, I I, I find that um, because of you have the, the... newspaper media reporters tend to be liberal biased. And I just find some of the television reporters, they tend to be young. They're not from here for the most part, tend to find them a little gullible and they kind of get caught up in the whole thing. And they don't really ask the questions that need to be asked, such as, are you, you know, two 15 year olds, are you really the organizer of this protest? Did you meet with the police? Did you map it out? Instead, they just uh, they're happy, as they say, as you said, I'm just happy to be proud to be reporting on this story. Um, The reporter from, I think, Channel 10 on the news story even said stories like this make me sick. Well, how about instead try to flesh out like would that really seem possible that someone would break into a garage and maybe get caught and not steal anything and instead just hang a yellow noose? I mean, don't you find that some of the reporting could use a little more of a skeptical eye? Yeah, well, I, I don't. I'm not sure they teach skepticism that much in journalism school yeah. these days. I mean, it's it really, it's where the narrative just comes into play. The narrative that the media is on, and it's the the 
the interesting question is whether it comes down from somebody or just sort of bubbles up as a everybody just sort of suddenly realizes this is the narrative. The narrative is racism and how it's everywhere and people are doing things like hanging nooses and and so they go out and they find those stories when they get a tip on that they say oh this is great this will be right on the news it'll get my shot I can interview the people uh, it might go national it'll go viral or, and it creates a very strong incentive for people to, to fake these these incidents as we saw with uh, what's it, the actor uh, from Empire Jesse Smollett um, Jesse Smollett yes yeah the that that incentive is there and it seems like most times it's a a hoax or uh, somebody either trying to get attention or somebody playing a prank not you know not a racially motivated thing uh, and it, it really they've created this sense that there's this epidemic out there and it's you you never get the follow-up story you know did this really happen i mean we're i mean you mentioned the the protest last month i i still haven't heard anything about the guy who assaulted a police officer during that right. time it's because the that's the narrative the narrative is we're we're fighting racism <laughs> you can't be on the sidelines for this and it starts to get back to this idea of uh, anti-racism where it's not good enough just not to be racist you have to be opposing racism well that's the standard you're not going to get skeptical stories from news media because they consider that they have to be anti-racist and if they start exposing hoaxes for example then they're not helping the anti-racist and that, that's i think that's going to be an increasing problem uh, up to the point that people just stop paying attention to the news media and we're i think we're seeing that more and more i think you're right and also just a quick follow-up the um that firefighter now i learned and got documents that he was actually violating protocol when he left the fire station was even out in his car uh they had three separate memos that i actually posted on the website that showed that that he was not supposed to be there because then if you think about it when they had the body cam footage he did not have a mask on i i don't know or think the person the friend in the car had one so if that person was exposed to the virus they could have exposed him and then he could have in turn exposed all the firefighters so they had very strict memorandum that you were not supposed to be having outsiders and visitors and that did not even come out during the course of the uh, the investigation into that. And I also agree there was a very lengthy story about the riot. And it was trying to push this narrative that it was a really just a bunch of young people that had good attentions and got, kind of got caught up in the whole thing. And they didn't even cover the fact that the night of the riot, there was a very serious arson situation where they someone torched that St. Pierre shoe store with people living above it. And it wasn't even mentioned within, in the story because it didn't seem to fit the narrative that, you know, that, 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 that there was some just some confused teenage kids that got caught up in the moment. It was, it was far more than that, that people could have died in that. Uh, that is a, a that that's a serious crime. Arson. That's and if, first if you degree. listen, if you, if you, you know, listen broadly and talk to people, you, you do get hints that there were outside groups, not necessarily orchestrating everything. Although the night of the riot, there were clearly a, a number of white young white men going up and down the streets yelling at people to, to stop being wimps and get off the sidewalk yes. um so that was clearly orchestrated but even the, the larger protesters there's you know there's hints and rumors of people coming from out of state to sort of egg on the locals what are you all doing in rhode island you know you guys are doing nothing here to support you know the cause that kind of thing and and, and prodding them in that regard and that would be a very interesting story a yeah. useful and helpful story to help people understand what's actually going on in the world but that's yep. that's not the narrative as you say the narrative is 
the quote mostly peaceful protests orchestrated yeah. by young kids uh and that's that's all it is we're fighting racism and that it's not news it's it's advocacy and it, i don't know what purpose it serves other than uh you know the, the cause yeah no these are certain individuals they they would have been the one asking other than that how is the theater mrs lincoln i mean that's <laughs> to me what it kind of comes down to folks coming up a lot more ahead our segment is politics this week Justin Katz, meaning Janet to OceanStateCurrent.com. It'll all continue on the John DePietro Show next. Remember, for your business, Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-21. MEG, Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Remember, free estimates. Call them today, 508 336 2110, Mega Truck and Trailer Repair, FHWA Inspections or Rhode Island State Inspection Station, Trailer Pickup and Delivery, 24-Hour Mobile Service, ABS Repairs, Brakes, Doors. If it's on a trailer, they can fix it. Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110 for Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Hi, Steve here, owner of Water Filter Company. Do you know what my customers are not doing today? They're not standing in lines to get into stores to buy bottled water. And they didn't have to scramble to get it either when all this first started. They enjoy all the safe, clean water they want, not during just this crisis, but all year long. Don't you think it's time you did too? So as you're standing in line waiting, how about you give my company a call? Call Water Filter Company at 294-2400, 294-2400. A Rhode Island family business since 1986. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006. And also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree tree service today 439-6028 439-6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there Oftentimes, a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call. 439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com. Our segment is Politics This Week with me, Justin Katz, managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. Justin, the Bristol 4th of July parade, they're still trying to say, well, our street is still attacked. We still have the parade. Um, do you think knowing what we know now that the parade should have been allowed to go on the way they normally have it because they just had it in cars it was obviously way scaled down but as far as the well i'd like your thought of whether or not you think that's one of those things that actually could have happened i i I think it could have at least to a much larger extent i i mean uh, to, to 
as a baseline, I'm glad they did something. <laughs> um, I, I do kind of wish there were a little bit more of a, an independent streak to it, a, a, somewhat of a rebellion, uh, you know, a, a few extra people. I don't see any reason people couldn't have been walking rather than in their cars. Uh, we, we seem to have elevated uh, care and protection to a much higher extent. I mean, on the one hand, if you look at it, we were just talking about the protests, the governor has claimed, and I'm not sure this is how accurate this is, that there's no evidence of a bump in COVID-19 because of the, pro the Black Lives Matter protests. And she says, we say that's because everybody was wearing a mask. Well, if that's the case, you could have a lot more people walking down the street in Bristol. You know, um, maybe Good a point. few people, maybe people in the middle of the road uh, with a could go without a mask. Other people could have been wearing masks. If that if that's such a a protective that a massive Black Lives Matter protest won't create an, an increase. Um, that so I think there could have been more. Uh, and I, to me, the contrast with that is the is fireworks. I mean, we were my family was at a cookout on a beach in the East Bay, and on the Fourth of July, as soon as it got dark, it, there were fireworks everywhere and yeah. i know a lot of dog owners have have complained about that but as as somebody on a beach it was kind of an inspiring thing to see and frankly preferable to a lot of the a, a lot of the sanctioned fireworks displays we've seen in recent years um and so i i, I liked that kind of idea that people they were being deprived of a, a a beloved tradition and they were going out and they were fulfilling it themselves and um shooting off fireworks all over the place and, and it looked like a and it's like a an inspiring battle zone of independence so to speak uh and i i think the parade could have had a little bit more of that spirit and also there were i mean there are all kinds of things that go along with the parade you know concerts and and uh the carnival and and that was all, oh yeah it's a full week gone. of events yeah yeah and so so you know again i i'm glad they they mustered up the energy to do something uh but it, it does seem we've We've lost a bit of our independent spirit. You know, that's a good point because it also, the week of the event, it, it really, what it does is it builds community and it kind of brings everyone, everyone together. And that certainly is missing um, already. Now here we are in July, but people are already starting to ask about the fall in schools. Do you think that uh, the children will go back to schools five days a week when uh, September rolls around? <laughs> it'd be easier to predict if everything didn't go along with whatever the governor's feeling that week. But um, I, I think there'll be something, I think you're going to have, I think you're going to have a lot of parents who just aren't, aren't down with uh, sitting at home and, and helping to uh, teach their own, their kids all day while they're trying to work at the same time. Uh, that's, that's not going to be very viable. What, what it looks like, I think is going to be um, a, the big question. It, it sounds like a lot of the schools are, kind of equipping uh, to to do a mix where, you know, if you're sick, you can stay home and, and attend class, uh, but otherwise you're in the classroom. Some of the rules that I'm hearing are seem kind of ludicrous. You know, it sounds like, almost sounds like you're going to have two hours of, of, of unpopulated buses bringing kids to the schools and maybe, maybe A weeks and B weeks and one week you stay home, the next week you go. I don't know how much tolerance people are going to have for that. Uh, and I, th I think one thing is also going to start to really expose is the, the difference uh, in, in education across. I mean, I'm not normally one to talk to, you know, go down the equity line, but you're, you're really going to see a big difference. I think between districts where they're, you know, the, the students are, 
in there as much as possible and, and they've got technology to make it a little easier when they're not versus districts where they're just kind of stumble more urban districts where they're kind of stumbling along but I don't think parents are going to really tolerate no school but I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. It's going to be another another test of our independence. You know, I'm already being contacted by parents saying, um, you know, can you tell the governor that I just don't think it's safe? So she should just say that everyone learns from home. This this is going to be difficult. I, I think that anyone that's listening, parents need to start to explore Justin Katz, either um, homeschool learning or different options. Um, from what I understand, they're not you're not going to be able to force any child to go. Uh, I was speaking with someone that said that the, the, the families, you'll receive a box and you check off either distance learning or in school. But even then, I'm not convinced it'll be the five day a week. I don't, I don't think that will uh, any child that remotely doesn't feel well will be told to just stay home. The school situation is serious because I know that maybe in the fall they'd like to, uh, maybe not even every day, but you are going to see also some numbers of some kids as we saw some of the Providence numbers. I mean, Justin, you're going to have some students and districts really falling behind. And one of the problems is now, now they have a real out. Now it's not, you know, uh, the way the school's being run or anything like that. Some children are really going to fall behind permanent, I think permanent damage. And I just don't know what the remedy is. Right. Well, that's, I mean, one thing the, the Center for Freedom and Prosperity has suggested that um, we use some of the, the federal money to increase school choice uh, for, we're calling them catch-up ESAs, uh, education savings accounts, where you would, the families would get some sort of money they could, in an account they could spend on something, whether to help them with private school tuition or tutors or technology or just something that would help them the kids not fall behind because that's what I'm saying there's there's going to be a big difference between families that have the technology have a have a parent home every all day for for whatever reason uh, and able to help the kids they've got the computer they've got a good internet connection versus you know harder up families that that don't have those those kind of advantages and that's that is going to be an issue and I one thing we haven't heard a whole lot about which is which is interesting given how powerful the labor unions are in Rhode Island. Um, if among teachers, there's already some concern that there's there's going to be a justified concern. There's going to be this push for them to almost do two classes. So they'll they'll do class in school for those who can make it every day, and then they'll have to go home and create online courses for those who can't make it. Uh, and I, I, at some point, the union's going to step in and and say this we're not tolerating this. And frankly, that's that's kind of what the union is is for. They do a lot that they're not in Rhode Island. They shouldn't be doing, but that's one of the things they should be is asserting we're not going to overburden our staff because what you'll get is a lot of poor product, especially for those who are stuck at home. And you'll get even more, as you say, permanent permanent damage for those who aren't able to to keep up with the new reality. Uh, but I think we'll it'll be interesting to see how how private schools do in this because they do have more flexibility and I, people who are seeing the possibilities of technology and, and the differences between the way different schools respond. I know early on, it, it did seem, um, you know, say March and early April, it did seem a lot of the private schools were were up and running with the distance learning much more quickly because a lot of them were exploring it already. Uh, and they also have just more flexibility in how they re respond. Yeah. Uh, the the Providence situation, I'm not, it'll be worth to watch it because I, I think they're moving 
faster than uh, I, I know a lot of their plans. They want to send the kids to schools closer to them. And a lot of kids would go to different schools. Um, I, uh, I know they have good intentions with the new uh, education commissioner and the new superintendent, but uh, that, that, that is a situation to watch because they do not have a contract. And uh, that is a very powerful union. Justin, finally, uh, the Lieutenant governor, I think to me, anyone that is wondering if, our local our government of whether or not it functions either uh, effectively or dysfunctional. If you look at the situation where the um, in, in Massachusetts, the Lieutenant governor Polito basically became the point person for the Paw Sox and governor Charlie Baker said to the Lieutenant governor, make this happen. Uh, when they did have that press briefing to announce they moving to Worcester, Larry Lucchino, they were all praising Lieutenant governor basically ran the briefing. Compare that to Lieutenant governor Dan McKee, is leading an, a petition, an online petition for small businesses against Governor Vunto, telling her to release money for small businesses. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what to make of it other than I, talk about someone that is trying to find relevancy here. But is, is that really the point where at the lieutenant governor is leading a petition against Governor Vunto? Yeah, that was, uh, it, it is striking that they, you're talking about a lieutenant governor, with a, you know, it's a six-figure job. He's got a staff of eight, I think, authorized in a budget. Yeah, budget. And over a million, million dollar budget. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he's, his, his uh, attempt is to, to do an online petition. Uh, I, I don't know. I Really, it, it, it's an intriguing, intriguing point through this whole thing. So we're, we're talking about an emergency to the point that we've had kind of martial law light uh, and people are dying and we've got to do this. And, and under these circumstances, if something happens to Governor Raimondo, Dan McKee is in that office. And yet he's yeah. been nowhere, not in the press briefings, not involved. Nothing. It's just, it's really bizarre. And, and I can't really blame him. It seems the governor's office ought to be thinking this through and, and saying, all right, you're part of our team. People elected you. Uh, that's just not happening. And I think that's, that's I, I don't know if people at Islanders will pay attention to it, but that's one of the big questions that could come out of this, that in all this, we had a lieutenant governor who was out of the loop, even though he was, as they say, a heartbeat away from running the state. And his solution is to figure out online petitions. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make much sense. And it seems like a, a big waste of, of energy. Although one of the, it does also go along with one of the bigger problems, more fundamental problems we have in Rhode Island, is there's not much of an opposition. I mean, it's such a one-party dominated state, not only one party, but, you know, kind of the insider group, the aristocracy in the state. And if nobody wants to go against them, and so there's no real coalition building outside of that. Now, there's an instance where the lieutenant governor could have a powerful position if there were kind of a, the non-insider groups trying to come together and oppose the the insiders. There, an independent lieutenant governor could could really get some traction. We just don't have that in the state. So everybody's an independent contractor, so to speak. That's really what it comes down to. And also, when his name is brought up at one of the briefings, um, the governor will just say he's welcome to call me, um, and is then very dismissive. But you know, obviously, to me, they don't. I don't see him at. Well, he hasn't been to one briefing. Uh, I don't see him at any events. I think that's just one of those things that they was uh, it's kind of she's the governor, he's the lieutenant governor, but there are no way uh, the staffs do not work together. Certainly not a team. Um, that's that's really our only comment will be he's welcome to call me. 
uh, instead of talking to the media um, is kind of the way it comes across. And as far as the lieutenant governor, I don't know what to make of that. If um, if you give me a for effort for trying to do that, or I'm just not sure that's the most productive way of organizing people to kind of have a petition uh, to go go against her. We know that seemingly he'd like to uh, be the governor someday, but um, that, that he's not getting any uh, time. I've even heard some of the people that advocate for him say she should take a day off and then let him do it. But that also then becomes, uh, I think, a little confusing with who's really in charge. And there's a, there's enough sometimes problems trying to flesh out all the information, never mind if then you bring someone in who's really just looking for some face time. Yeah, well, Folks, the governor for the day is, is only for girls. So yeah, that's so right. She, the governor couldn't let that happen. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Folks, he is the uh, managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com, Justin Katz. Justin, uh, great job, and we will talk to you again. Always a pleasure, John. Well, it's John DePietro. This portion of the program is brought to you by Johnson Propane. Now listen, you want to be prepared for what's going ahead. Now is the time to stock up on propane. Stop in. Phil never runs out. That's right. Phil Johnson never runs out. Easy to get to. Located 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. And it's right in front of Stop and Shop, right over near Rhode Island College, they are open seven days a week. Propane tank and supplies. They fill Blue Rhino, and they will fill up all your propane tanks. Credit cards, debit cards are accepted. You can call Phil Johnson at 401-621-8129. 401-621-8129. Johnson Propane, 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. Call Phil, 401 401- 621-8129. Now is the time to stock up. It's drive-in, no wait, propane filling station. They'll fill up your tank. Now is the time. You want to make sure you don't know what's going to happen. And if, in fact, you get locked down or you have to be out, then you want to make sure you have propane. Johnson Propane, 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. I, I'm stopping by to have Phil fill up. I have two tanks. I'm going to have them both filled up. 401-621-8129. Stop in and see him. He's just terrific. And again, right, 904 Manton Avenue in Providence, right near Rhode Island College, and right in front of Stop and Shop. Attention business owners. In today's world, customers judge you by your website. And for most people, their first introduction to your business or company is your website. Karen Etchells at InnoVest is here to help. Give her a call at 401-321-2799. Hey, now it's 2020. You got to freshen up that old website design that Al Gore invented. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional and she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 
2300 MEGA MEGA Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokers for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies. You can depend on MEGA MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300. Does that sound like your company, maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380. Remember now. Providence and North of Providence, I want you to try the 99.9 FM, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website. Visit it to petro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Right on the top on the left-hand side, you'll see where it says listen live. Just click on that. Anywhere in the world, you can listen while we're live on the air. And then right below that on the dashboard at the website, you'll see where it says radio show. If you ever miss any part of the show, You just click on radio show, and folks, boom, there it is. You can pull it up. It's all in library fashion. And remember, the uh, Facebook Live is very, very popular. Check out the Facebook page. It's John DePietro Show on Facebook. And then you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and also on YouTube. Again, it's all under John DePietro Show. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Lawn Doctor. Call today. Your best lawn ever guaranteed, 401-392-1025, 401-392-1025, or online, they have a great website, lawndoctor.com. What do they do? Well, outdoor pest control, annual program, lawn care service, they make great lawns happen. Lawn Doctor at Island, your lawn care company. Love your lawn, best lawn guaranteed, call them today, 401 401- 392-1025. Free uh, consultation and estimate 401-392-1025. Lawn Doctor. And now is the time because you can get the early spring, the crabgrass control, time release fertilizer, professional blend of high calcium line. Lawn Doctor. Go online, check them out. It's lawndoctor.com or call them today 401-392-1025. Lawn Doctor. This is Dr. Fauci with your Rhode Island coronavirus update. If going to Block Island, you've got to wear your mask on the ferry. Once you arrive on Block Island, wear your mask at all times. I also encourage you to wear your mask at Ballard's, the Oar, and the Yellow Kittens. While at the beach, please wear your mask if you go in the water. We also strongly encourage wearing a mask if you rent a moped on Block Island. The only exception is if you're protesting on Block Island. Protesters in Rhode Island are not required to wear masks or social distance. It is safer for 10,000 people to stand close together on the lawn of the Statehouse with no masks than it is for 50 people to sit up top on the Block Island ferry. Next time, we will discuss why you must wear a mask playing mini golf, but not at a riot at the mall. I'm Dr. Fauci on the John DePietro Show. 
It's John DePietro. Listen, folks, this is a unique situation. But instead of wasting the time by just watching television or old episodes of old movies, instead, clean up your home, clean up your attic, clean up your basement and your garage. Call Brothers Disposal today, 401-688-0517. Call them for a free estimate. They will deliver a dumpster right to your home. Do some spring cleaning. Use this time to finally clean that out that old junk from your basement, from your attic, from your garage. Do some spring cleaning. Use this unique time. Call Brothers Disposal today, 401-688-0517. They'll come to your home. They will drop off a dumpster. You load it up. Tell them whenever it is. Maybe it stays for a week. Maybe it stays for a weekend. Maybe it stays for one day. Call Brothers Disposal today. Free estimate, 401 401- 688-0517. Stop watching Netflix. Do something productive. Finally, clean up your home. Clean out that garage or the attic or the basement. Call Brothers Disposal today. 401-688-0517. Free estimate 401-688-0517. It's Brothers Disposal. And let's get a dumpster in the driveway. When your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, Ryan's Appliance Repair. Call them today, 401-710-7096, 401-710-7096, Ryan's Appliance Repair. Now, I like to tell the story. I don't mind. But one morning, I went up to uh, get up to use the dryer and just had done a wash, and suddenly it wouldn't work. Now, did I panic? No. Did I try to fix it? Don't be ridiculous. No, I called Ryan's Appliance Repair at 401 401- 710-7096. We made an appointment. Ryan said, Juan, I'll be there at, at 9 o'clock at 5 of 9. A truck appeared in my driveway. It said Ryan's appliance repair. He came right in, fixed the driver, uh, dryer, excuse me, within five minutes. And then I think it was about two weeks later, I went to make a microwave popcorn, and then suddenly the microwave wouldn't work. So what did I do? I called Ryan's appliance repair at 401-710-7096. And then one time, even the oven wasn't working. And again, who did I call? You get the gist of the story. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Now, Ryan offers a senior citizen's discount. All work is guaranteed for 90 days parts and labor. And he'll also do a Saturday appointment. It's Ryan's Appliance Repair. When your appliance is dying, you know who to call. Call Ryan, 401 410 7096.